are Locked On Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. Today we're going to be talking about where does ASU stand with their four games left? We're going to be ranking the games in order of uh, least difficult to most difficult. Then we're going to be looking at the basketball roster for the Sun Devils, just looking at some of the turnovers, so some key players that have left, as well as some of the incoming freshmen. And then lastly, we're going to be talking about Darian Butler, which we never do in this podcast, but he is a finalist for a specific award at the end of the season. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Follow us on Twitter. You can find me at Cedrios and find Richie Bradshaw at Richie Brads with a Z36. Follow our Twitter page as well for the Lockdown Sun Devils. That's at LO underscore Sun Devils. Make sure to subscribe and never miss any of our episodes that come out Monday through Friday. We are giving you great content for football and basketball as that season kicks up as well. Uh, but you can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, or the Odyssey app, or anywhere else you get your podcast. Richie, it is a Tuesday. We have gone through two miserable games watching the Sun Devils. Dare I ask how you're feeling? Um, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm asking you, so you have to give an answer. Uh, I'm. You know what, Connor? I'm pretty good. I had a good day today, and I'm just pretending that everything is fine. And, you know, every, everything is fine. It's like that meme of, like, the dog sitting in the kitchen with everything on fire. That, that's that's literally Herm Edwards with this team right now. This is fine. This is this is fine. Uh, who, I guess, was reportedly hearing boos when he was walking out of the stadium uh, for this game. Could not be me. I was just, we, we weren't booing. We, we, as real fans, left with, like, I don't know, four or five minutes left in the game. Yeah, no, we were shaking our heads and mumbling under our breath, but we certainly were not booing. We were definitely cheering for that Trenton Borgay touchdown as we were walking out. So, Dub. With that, let's get into our first segment for today. We're going to be talking about essentially the four games that ASU has left to play this season. Let's start with uh, essentially least difficult to most difficult. So for the listeners, just in case you don't know, those four games are USC, which they played next week, followed by Washington, Oregon State, and then they close the season out playing Arizona as they normally do in Tempe. Richie, which one is the most, or sorry, the easiest game in your eyes? Come on. You know what the I is. have to ask the question. It's part of the show. You're, you're doing a great job with that. However, the answer is U of A. It's, Are you sure? They could get their first win. It's not relatively close either. This U of A team is bad, bad. Like, in yeah. all of college football, like seriously, all of the NCAA, they might be the worst team of the Power Five conferences. Oh, I think they are the worst team of the Power Five. They, I'm pretty sure they're the only team without a win. They're the only team that has a chance to go winless. I, I don't have their schedule in front of me, but I can tell you right now that I don't see a win. The easiest part has absolutely come and gone. So whatever they've got left, uh, it, it's all conference play, and there's nobody in my opinion, worse in the Pac-12 than Arizona. So, And they've already played Colorado, who I'd probably put at second worst. So they've uh, they've got their work cut out for them, for sure. Uh, but I would say Arizona as well. Um, that just feels like almost a guaranteed win short of Arizona State literally just not showing up and getting off the bus. 
the next three definitely have a little bit more, uh, at least of a conversation to it. Richie, what do you think is the next most difficult game after Arizona? I don't know if me and you are going to be different here. But I am going to say that this week's game against the Trojans would be number three for me in terms of most difficult. Most of, Sorry, we're going from easiest to most difficult. So Arizona State's, or sorry. So Ari- U of A is the easiest. USC easy. would be the second easiest. Okay. So I, I think that this game is winnable. But un- unlike U of A, these last three games against USC, Washington, and Oregon State could all easily be losses. Let's just be frank, call a spade a spade. All, all three of them could be losses. So I'm not comfortable with any of the games, but I will tell you that with USC, I am the most comfortable, I suppose, and I'm not comfortable with it. But I, what I will tell you is a very unfortunate and very sad injury to wide receiver Drake London is going to be a, a huge, huge factor in this game because Keaton Slovis or Jackson Dart, whoever does end up suiting up for the Trojans this Saturday, is going to be without arguably the best wide receiver in the Pac-12. They're certainly going to regress offensively, but the good news for them is whoever's throwing the football is a very, very good quarterback. And they've got a dude on the defense. I don't know if you've heard of him. His name is uh, Drake Jackson, the defensive end. He is pretty, pretty good. And he is going to give the Sun Devils fits because the Sun Devils have had a lot of trouble with pass protection over the last few weeks, it seems. And Drake Jackson's going to give them fits because this dude is not just a first-round prospect, but he might be a top 25, maybe even a top 20 player. Drake Jackson's going to give them trouble. But the good news, and the reason why I have this as the second easiest game and the third hardest game for Arizona State is because without Drake London, I think that offense is going to take a step back. So as long as ASU can put up points, and unfortunately that's not a guarantee at this point, I think that we have a good chance here. Plus, it's a home game. And I think that ultimately is what gave me the edge here to pick USC as my second easiest game. Yeah, there's a couple factors for me. Drake London, clearly, clearly a big loss for USC. If you had asked me which was the more difficult game a week ago, I'd probably say, uh, well, I, I I take that back. We get USC at home versus we have to travel to Washington. Uh, while I don't feel comfortable about either game, uh, USC lost one of their best players. Uh, I think having the advantage at home will help, but I also probably would have said that about this past game, and we got the snot knocked out of us. So I, I will say I, I'm taking USC as the second most difficult game remaining on their schedule. Very winnable, but as you had mentioned, whether it's it's Keaton Slovis, who I believe played this past weekend, or Jackson Dart, they've got they've got talent and they've got depth at the position too, at the most important position. So we'll see how it goes. Um, it, it's not going to be too terribly far off for me between them and Washington. Uh, I, I think worst case scenario, you do have to you cannot afford to go zero and two, so you have to find a way to at least go one and one. But I, I think the best case scenario, obviously, is you can win against those two teams, beat Arizona. Uh, and potentially lose to an Oregon State, who we'll talk about in just a moment here. Um, so assuming I, I know where you're going, um, I'll at least talk about this as well. We can just quickly touch on this one here, uh, assuming that we're on the same page, but I'm going to say it's, it's Washington as the second most difficult game remaining on the schedule. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's not like this 
Huskies team is world beaters. They're sitting at four and four on the year. Their offense isn't anything outstanding. Dylan Mose, uh, Morris, excuse me, at quarterback has been mediocre at best. Their run game has a couple of guys, uh, more than a couple of guys. They got about four guys on there that have numbers, but other than that, I mean, there, there's not too much to write home about this team. As per usual, they have a pretty rock solid defense led by cornerback uh, slash safety Trent McDuffie, who we've highlighted on this podcast before as a absolute stud player in the Pac-12 and especially for the Huskies. But outside of a, a solid run game, a decent passing game, and a good a good defense, this this isn't a team that's competing for the Pac-12 North. And I mean, they're not out of it, but they're not competing for the North, let alone the Pac-12 title. They should be bowl eligible, but they're not a great team. But where I have the difference between them and USC on my rankings is we have to go on the road. And over the last 10 years, Arizona State has had a lot of trouble going up and playing Washington on their home turf in Seattle. It's it's a very it's a very tough environment. Plus, this game's gonna end up being on the 13th of November. And I don't know if you know anything about the weather in Washington, but in November, it's typically pretty cold. And being a team from Arizona, we're probably going to we're flat out. We're going to struggle. This is not going to be an easy game to play. So that that's where I give Washington the edge over USC, second hardest game for me. Yeah, that definitely agreed there, which leaves Oregon State as the most difficult game for us uh, to end the season. If I had to bet right now, I would definitely take Oregon State to win. Uh, for a similar reason, we have to go to Oregon State playing on the road in the cold. We never do good in Corvallis anyways now that Oregon State's playing well. Uh, they are they essentially have the same record as us. They're 5-3. and three, They're 3-2 three and two in the conference. Uh, and they are coming off essentially like uh, really a butt whooping where they lost by 14 to Cal uh, this last weekend. So it seems like they can be a little up and, up and down, unpredictable in good and bad ways as well. I wouldn't write Arizona State off. Uh, maybe it's because I haven't had to watch as much Oregon State football, but if I'm going to bet on a team to write the ship, it's probably going to be them since we are on the road. Uh, I, I'm not sure I see a way with how inconsistent we have been all season that we can find a way to run the table. Uh, I, I do think we find a way to go uh, at worst 2-2, two and two, uh, but hopefully we can pull off a win at Oregon State. Well, and that, that is going to be my number one most difficult game remaining on the schedule. And there's a plethora of reasons, obviously. It's because Arizona State has so many problems going up to Corvallis to play that game. But more importantly is Oregon State is a quality, at worst, a quality football team that is in contention for the Pac-12 North title. And honestly, I think we should consider them a favorite, depending on how they finish the season. It'll just, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be one of those things where we'll have to wait and see what happens. But I will tell you that I really like Oregon State to win the Pac-12 North. And because of that, I think that they're going to give Arizona State a run for their money. And quite frankly, I would take the Beavers right now in that game head-to-head straight up. But I, I do tell you that we have a chance. We're not out of it. Like, like Oregon State is beatable. They don't look like the unstoppable team that they looked like in the first half of the season. They have warts, and they are beatable. Arizona State can beat them, but you have to go to Corvallis. You have to go north in late November, and you have to play a very good team. I don't like those odds. Those are just our, our thoughts on the remaining four games. Uh, we'll we'll kind of see how it plays out. 
any given Saturday in a sense. Uh, a lot of things happen in sports do not make sense at all. Could we beat an Oregon State? Sure. Could we lose to an Arizona? Absolutely not, because that would just never happen, at least not in 2021. Stick with us for our next segment. We're going to be discussing who's staying and who's coming back, uh, or at least who is new to ASU for the basketball team for the upcoming season. You're listening to the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. All right, college football fanatics. Have you guys heard of Price Picks yet? If not, let me tell you, Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this. I know you're going to love it too. Price Picks is a leader in college sports and daily fantasy and offers more college football props than anyone in the world. With the star players of the Power Five, as well as mid-major players you might not have ever heard of. PricePix offers any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns to interceptions thrown and anything and everything in between. All new users can use the promo code LOCKEDON and receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Remember, use that promo code LOCKEDON for that promo. Here's how it works. Pick two to five players in an over-under on their projections. And you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And the best part is just you versus the projected numbers. Another awesome part of Price Picks is it offers mixed sports entry. So you can take an over on LeBron James and combine it with an under on Patrick Mahomes in the exact same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. Price Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals too. So don't hesitate. Check out PricePicks.com. Remember to use that promo code Locked On or... Go to the App Store and download the app today. Price Picks, daily fantasy made easy. We're back for our second segment, just discussing the Arizona State basketball team. Uh, I, I want to apologize. I've been saying for like the last week that they played this upcoming Tuesday. Uh, it's actually November 9th that they play against Portland. Connor, we're going to have to fire you and let you go. Well, you're fired too. Boop, boop, boop. You're uh, fired. Uh, so with that, we, we definitely have uh, some key departures, p- players that have been here for pretty significant amount of time, not including like a, a Josh Christopher, but in terms of like Remy Martin and Alonzo Verge who have been here for just what feels like forever. Uh, but you also have guys like uh, Holland Woods and Jalen House who have left as well. Uh, you do have some key returning players such as Jalen Graham, uh, Kimani Lawrence, and then Marcus Bagley, which I, I really feel like if you can get him healthy, because I think he played in like 12, 12-ish games last year. Um, you're definitely going to need him to step up going forward. Yeah, so I, I like Jalen Graham as one of the leaders moving forward. He was one of the more efficient shooters that we had last year. Uh, being a junior, he, he's gonna, he's definitely going to have a leadership standpoint. Marcus Bag, uh, Bagley, excuse me, is the is the lead. Like I, I'm, I'm stumbling on my words. He is the highest scoring average per game guy who's returning this year. He had 10, uh, 10.8 points a game last year. Kamani Loris had 8.1, and so did Jalen Graham. So uh, Bagley's being a sophomore, Graham is a junior. They're both going to be heavily relied upon. I think Graham is going to be someone that we really look at this year. Kamani Lawrence, being a senior, is obvi- obviously going to be another guy who's going to be very important, important for the development of the younger players that they got coming in. Uh, we're about to touch on him in a second. We're going to butcher the name. We looked it up to see if we could get it right, so bear with us if we do get it wrong, but Enoch Boache? It's Boache. Boache, who's incoming uh, freshman center for the team, will be, uh, I mean, he's he's probably going to be someone that we look at pretty early, four-star recruit if I'm not mistaken. He was the third overall ranked center in this class, so definitely exciting to have a guy like that on your team. Uh, Even though he's a freshman, we'll see how much he can contribute going forward. They did have three different Division One transfers um, that they're going to be heavily relying on moving forward. 
Uh, starting with Marion Jackson, uh, had a really solid career, uh, four years at Toledo. Uh, last season, he averaged 18.1 points, 5.9 assists, and 6.1 rebounds. Uh, he'll definitely have, a, I think, a more difficult time putting up those numbers at Arizona State where he may not be the, the main go-to guy. Uh, but he's definitely a good talent. He's he's going to be a plus player to have on your team. Uh, Luther Muhammad comes from Ohio State where he was uh, a starter for them from the years 2018 all the way through 2020. Uh, Jay Heath was a starter during the last two seasons at Boston College as well where he had 14.5 points per game. Uh, and he'll automatically be added as an experienced shooter on this roster, which they are sorely needing now with all the departures. So I, I think when we look at this ASU roster, we, we touched on Bobby Hurley last week and, and kind of how frustrating it can be watching the Sun Devils team, especially last year where I, I, they only won 11 games. They went 11 and 14. Like there were some pretty high expectations for this team and they just absolutely fell flat on their face. I understand that like when you're dealing with a lot of young kids, especially in college basketball, where uh, a lot of your main contributors sometimes are these kids straight out of high school, it's not easy. But at the same time, like I'm, I'm curious if Bobby Hurley has peaked, but uh, again, we had already talked about him uh, last week. So I, I think they'll be able to make some noise in the Pac-12 for sure. If you look at a lot of different rankings, there are somewhere between like three to five in most people's eyes before the season starts for the Sun Devils. Can that change? Absolutely. If they start hot out of the gate, which if they're not in conference play and they're playing a team like Portland, as an example, uh, maybe they, they kind of explode a little bit and our, our expectations are heightened a little bit. But but we'll see. It, once we get into our, our conference play, that's going to be huge for us. Um, I, I, think, I think we will be able to make a push for the tournament for sure. I don't see us having a year like we did last year where we went 11 and 14. Uh, I, I just, I think it's a question of, can you get guys like uh, Boachi seriously contributing for you, even though they are freshmen, um, any of our, our transfer players that are coming in and potentially starting for us, uh, how can they contribute as well? Um, losing guys again, like Remy, Remy Martin and Alonzo Verge, uh, you need guys to step up and, and they're going to be sorely needing it after an 11, 14 season last year. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to me. So we, so we got a slew of transfer guys, right? We got four key transfer guys coming in: Alonzo Gaffney, Jay, uh, Jay Heath, Marion Jackson, and Luther Muhammad. And all of them are at least juniors, which is going to provide some good veteran presence for this team. It'll be interesting to see how quickly they mesh with the program, especially considering how weird everything has been because of the pandemic and everything going on. But it is going to be very difficult to replace the production of Remy Martin and Josh Christopher. It, it's it's not going to be easy. There there are some young guys, but this is going to be a very a very veteran and experienced roster. To that standpoint, I really like it. I think that because of that, you should have a competitive team. Like you said, we we should be able to make a push for the tournament, and we should be able to make some noise in the Pac-12. Don't get me wrong; this is not a Pac-12 championship caliber team. This is not a number one overall seed in the bracket kind of team, but this is a kind of team that should have uh, like three, four, maybe five wins above 500, depending on how many games they play this year. That that remains to be seen, depending on everything that's going to happen. But I, I do like this team, especially with all the veteran leadership that they have. Like I said, I, I think the biggest thing here is going to see how quickly the Transfer guys are able to come into the program and make an immediate impact, but for the for the hundredth time because I'm just repeating over and over, I really like the veteran leadership. I know it doesn't mean 
as much in basketball as it does for like football. But for a team that doesn't get those five-star recruits and the, those number one overall recruits that do the one and done like it, the Kentuckys and the North Carolinas of the world have, this is a team that needs to have the stability to be competitive year in and year out. That's why it was so nice to have Remy Martin here for as long as he was. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Biggest thing, I just want to see how quickly those transfers can come in and make an impact. Really quick, I feel kind of bad for whoever playing their scrimmage against tonight. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of positive takeaways from They were up like 67 to 21 at one point. Woohoo! Uh, but obviously they were playing a, a nobody at that point. So, But those are just some of our thoughts on some of the new players uh, versus some people who have left ASU this last offseason. Uh, stick with us for our next segment. We're going to be talking about a specific award that Darian Butler is now put on a watch list for. You're listening to the Locked On Sun podcast. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline is where the game starts. We are back for our third and final segment of a Tuesday edition of the Locked On Sundowns podcast. We've talked about a guy. I don't know if you've ever heard of him before. If you listen to the podcast, you might have heard us say his name once or a billion times a day, I think, on average. Uh, but Darian Butler. Darian Butler. I beat you to it. That's uh, twice now, at least in this segment. But uh, Darian Butler is a guy who is up for uh, the Dick Buckus Award. He's a semifinalist, meaning he is one of 16 candidates to win the award uh, for this season. So we're going to take a look at some guys who he's going up against and whether we would take them over his essentially his stats and impact this season. Uh, and if we think he will move on to the next stage, uh, which essentially is the top three linebackers of these 16. So just to give you some reference, Darian Butler this year started off very hot, and it's not so much that he slowed down. It's just that the bar was raised so high. like He had two interceptions in his first game. Uh, it only has one pick since. Uh, obviously, three for a linebacker is still very solid, but uh, he's got 50 tackles in the season, 25 are solo. The other 25 are assisted. Uh, seven of those are for a loss. He's got two sacks and three interceptions. Uh, Richie, we at least get to watch this guy every single week compared to some of the other guys we might get to watch on uh, another like Saturday before Pac-12 after dark starts. So we at least see the impact that Darian Butler is making for this defense. Dude's absolutely sideline to sideline. I think I was saying on the podcast last week that he makes several plays a game that just absolutely, like, there's essentially your jaw just dropped because of what he did. Uh, he always seems to be at the middle of everything. Uh, dude's just a phenomenal player for the Sun Devils defense. I just, I honestly, Connor, more than anything, is he, is he going to win this award? No, he's not. There, there's a lot of linebackers on this list. I, honestly, he's not even the most productive linebacker in his division, let alone in his conference. But it, it just... It makes my heart happy to know that he is being watched by the rest of the league, or not the league, by the rest of the media, and getting the attention that he definitely deserves. That makes my heart warm, just to know that people realize that Darian Butler is really good, and he is. We're, we're not the only ones who see it now. 
the rest of the the rest of the country is starting to recognize Darian Butler as one of the top linebackers in the country. They recognize him as one of the top sixteen. That is a huge compliment when you consider how many teams are in this country. And for reference, it's not just Power Five linebackers that are that are in this in this ranking. Like you, you got guys from all Division One schools that are coming into play here. So you're talking, goodness gracious, close to a hundred different schools. If not, maybe more than that. I don't know the number of colleges in Division One off the top of my head. But you're saying that that uh, Darian Butler is one of the 16 best. That is an awesome, awesome accomplishment in himself. In itself, he should also be getting looks for the Reese Senior Bowl. Hopefully, Jim Nagy, if you're listening, please, 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 please send Darian Butler to the Senior Bowl. And he's definitely improving his NFL draft stock. But the rise of Darian Butler has been so much fun to watch this year. And it just makes me happy to see that he is getting recognition and a semifinalist for such such a prestigious award. Like, I really can't emphasize enough how awesome the Dick Buckus Award is. Let's look at some guys that we think, well, I shouldn't even say that we think he can beat. Some guys that are definitely going to give him a run for his money, I should say. Uh, A guy we actually had already played this year, uh, but Devin Lloyd for for Utah. Uh, Dude's an absolute monster. This year, uh, he's got 72 tackles, uh, 40 of those are solo with 32 assisted, so he's got 22 more tackles than Darian Butler. He's got seven more tackles for loss. He's got 14 on the season, uh, five sacks, and two interceptions. Dude is an absolute animal. If we're talking about a top three finalist, Devin Lloyd is more than likely going to move into the top three and definitely in front of a Darian Butler. Well, maybe it's a little bit of Pac-12 bias, but I would tell you that Devin Lloyd should be the favorite to win Dick Buckus Award based off of everything he's done this year. It, it's no coincidence that he is starting to get NFL draft conversation too. That this guy is just a friggin' monster. It just feels like there's nothing that this guy can't do. And because of that, I, I feel like he has to be not just a favorite, but a heavyweight favorite for this award. Especially if Utah wins the Pac-12 and they get that national recognition. All eyes should be on Devin Lloyd, and he deserves it. I agree with you probably being the top candidate, at least the top in the Pac-12. I think they have four different candidates coming out of the Pac-12 this year. Uh, but watching him essentially just dismantle our offensive line, really get after Jaden Daniels, uh, dude's definitely an impact player for sure. And I'm glad you brought up the Pac-12. I would like to stay in the Pac-12 here for a second and talk about Noah Sewell. Noah Sewell, for anyone who recognizes the last name Sewell, is the brother of, Ten- of Penny. Sewell, who was just the seventh Seventh overall overall pick in this past draft by the Detroit Lions, an offensive tackle. Noah, his brother, came in as a freshman last year, was able to get the red shirt because of a shortened season with COVID. On the year, he's got 69 tackles, a handful of tackles for loss, and three sacks. I mean, the, the dude is quick. He flies around the field. He's strong at the point of attack. And it helps that he gets to play with a with a kid. I don't know if you know the name, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. I, I believe I've heard of him. Yes. Yeah, he gets to play with him in front of him, and that's not a knock on on uh, on Noah Noah Sewell by any means. But he he definitely benefits from having a guy like that in front of him. But there's a reason that he's a nominee for the Dick Buckus Award, and, and just like Devin Lloyd, he's absolutely deserving of this recognition, and obviously Pac-12 pride. 
Yeah, fun fact about Sewell, uh, or at least Oregon in general, they've never had a linebacker make it as a semifinalist before. Uh, so Noah Sewell is the first in Oregon history, so that's good for him. Uh, that's, that's crazy to me because Kiko Alonso wasn't half bad when he played at Oregon way back when. That's very true. Uh, so you mentioned he has 69 tackles. I'm just going to put you on the spot here. Uh, of those 69 tackles, I, I've got a specific stat in the last six games. How many of those tackles has he got? The last six games? Yes. Somewhat, so, somewhat specific, but... Um, I'll, I'll say he's got 60. 57. 57 of those 69, so he started off a little slow, but dude's been a monster since then. Uh, but on the season, he's got 69 tackles, as we had mentioned, six uh, and a half uh, tackles for loss, three sacks, uh, no interceptions in the year. Uh, he's playing phenomenal football. And even if we were to take a Darian Butler over him, Darian Butler is a senior where Sewell is essentially a, a redshirt freshman. So uh, unfortunately, as an ASU fan, I don't look forward to playing him the next couple of years. What I will say is the one thing that would be going against Noah Sewell here is of those 69 tackles, 40 of them are assisted. And, and don't get me wrong, tackles are tackles, but the, the solo tackles to me are more important. And having that many more assisted tackles than solo tackles stands out to me. Next, we're going to be talking about uh, Georgia linebacker, N'Kobe Dean. Uh, he plays for some school called Georgia, and I think they're supposed to be pretty good this year. Uh, Richie, you Something were, about their defense. You were telling me about a specific stat this weekend. I think going into this weekend, they did allow a touchdown. But I think it was going into this weekend, they had... I'll, I'll even let you cite the stat. I, I know it off the top of my head. Going into this weekend, Georgia had given up four offensive touchdowns on the year and scored three defensive touchdowns. That's how good this defense is, and they're captained by N'Kobe Dean. You know who got one of those touchdowns? N'Kobe Dean. N'Kobe Dean. Yeah. He's only got 37 uh, total tackles, but five for a loss, three and a half sacks, two interceptions, uh, and a touchdown as well. Even if like the tackles aren't there, as an example, the dude is not the only player on his defense. As a whole, Georgia is playing absolutely dominant out of their minds. Uh, so if other guys are, are essentially making those tackles first or getting after the quarterback, uh, where he might be in a little bit more coverage sometimes. Like, the dude might not have as much opportunity uh, to shine as maybe some of these other linebackers, at least to put up the numbers. He's getting, obviously, a lot of, of national recognition, as he should. Uh, but if he's not being forced to make plays or having to be the guy all the time, uh, some of the other stat-stuffing linebackers might be able to be ahead of him on paper. Yeah, and that's the thing that's going to go against N'Kobe here, is he doesn't have the huge box score stats, but... Similar to how Noah Sewell has a Kayvon Thibodeau in front of him, our good friend N'Kobe Dean has this guy named Jordan Davis, who's a big old defensive tackle who looks like a first-round pick. He's also got Jalen Carter as well, who these guys plug up lanes and make everything easier for the guys behind them. And yeah, N'Kobe doesn't have the stats, but I mean, if if you watch Georgia football, you know that N'Kobe Dean is one of the main components of that defense. And he's an absolute monster. And there's a reason that he's a finalist and absolutely should be a finalist. Last one that we want to touch on here really quick before we wrap up for today. Uh, it's going to be Iowa linebacker uh, Jack Campbell. Uh, 73 total tackles in the year. Uh, 33 of those are solo, two and a half for loss with one sack. Uh, no interceptions. Uh, dude's been playing very well for Iowa this year. Uh, may not be, uh, again, maybe the most stat-stuffing running back. Uh, he might be a guy I would take a Darian Butler over. Uh, but Jack Campbell, uh, again, uh, a solid, solid linebacker, top six team in the nation. Yeah, Jack Campbell, it, just like N'Kobe Dean and 
honestly, just like all these linebackers we mentioned, has been the heart and soul of a very, very good Iowa Hawkeyes defense. And Jack Campbell it has had such a weird career. So he started in 2019 at Iowa at, at linebacker before transferring to Cincinnati to be a tight end. And then coming right back to Iowa, like I, I'm, not, I'm not sure how the situation had played out. But he was only at Cincinnati for maybe a few months before he ended up coming back to Iowa immediately to be a linebacker once again. Now he's in his third year, but those 73 tackles really stand out. I mean, like like I said, this guy is the heart and soul of this Iowa Hawkeyes defense. He's everything that they want them to be, want him to be. He's a tone setter and maybe not the the turnover machine that the rest of his defense can rely on. That secondary is just terrific, but... It, it starts and ends with Jack Campbell. He's phenomenal. Just like all these guys, Shocker deserves to be on this list. I think he should end up being one of the top three finalists. Seriously, like when you talk about, like, like hypothetically, Darian Butler is 16th out of 16 on this list. That's still top 16 linebackers in the nation. Like that, it, Just getting this far is phenomenal recognition for him. So moving on to the top three, I think it's going to be tough for Butler unless he just has a phenomenal finish over these last four games. Um, but at least he's getting that recognition he deserves. And hopefully his draft stock, draft stock will continue to improve uh, over the next couple months uh, leading up to the NFL draft. But thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Uh, come back tomorrow for our Wednesday edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. We'll have more Sun Devils content as far as football and basketball go for you. Now get all of your daily Pac-12 news in less than 30 minutes with Pac-12 expert Cindy Robinson. You keep us locked on right here with Locked on Sun Devils.